0: Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me for my work over on TalkingChop.com, where I've been the deputy site manager for three seasons, two seasons, something like that now. Oh, no, a long time, and I've been working at the site as the minor league editor since 2015. Joining me this evening... Is Braves MILB on Twitter himself, one Garrett Spain. Garrett, how are
0: you, my friend? I'm good. Ready to get this uh, podcast going and get to talking about these guys. We did a mailbag last week, so we haven't had a chance, and we got a lot to talk about this week with these guys now. Yeah,
1: oh, definitely, I would say it's a bit of a weird week because um, we certainly are starting to see some roster movement, but maybe not as much as we were thinking that was going to happen this last week of May. That could still happen. Um, obviously we didn't do the, like the kind of the full roster breakdowns, uh, going through each level like we did usually do. Cause last week we did a mailbag. I really do like the mailbag podcast though. Kind of gives us a chance to take a step back and take a lot of the topics that you guys can care about. And we really appreciate all the great questions. But again, also kind of nice to kind of get back to the nitty gritty stuff of, you know, how, what coverage is hap, what coverage we do, what's happening out there. Kind of gives a, a bit of a real time sort of, you know, glimpse into kind of what our thinking is on guys on any given moment. Um, before we kind of get into those level by level breakdowns though, uh, we did have some news this week. Uh, unfortunately, Victor Wagner goes to the injured list. He left his start really early. It looked like he was having a bit of a back issue. He couldn't seem like he was commanding his stuff much at all, uh, in his start this week for Mississippi. But, you know, again, it, we don't really know exactly what the severity of it. And with minor League injuries, it's worth noting they don't typically announce the, like, severity of injuries unless, like, it's either, like, a really, really high-level guy or, I mean, really, that's pretty much it. I mean, it took a lot, even when Acuna was in Rome, when he, when he hurt his hand and he was out for a long time, it was kind of hard to even get glimpses of, you know, what, what he looked like in a cast and, you know, how long he was going to be out. Just getting that information is just not something you don't see a whole lot. Uh, when guys are on the 40-man roster, it's a little bit different, but... Other than that, uh, Garrett, kind of any any thoughts or worries about Vodnik regarding his injury or, I mean, based
0: on the information we know anyway? I mean, there's obviously concern. Because, I mean, I think the biggest concern we all have is is he's undersized. Can he stay healthy through a full season as a starter or will he have to be a reliever? Well, it's already the first month of the season that he's hurt. Now, he's taken a year off of baseball, so you kind of – With the year off of baseball, you expect guys to be injured. With it being a back thing, if it is a back thing, and that's what we kind of are leaning towards, I don't, if it's not elbow shoulder, I'm not too terribly concerned long term about that being an issue. So if it is the back, I think that's really one of your best case scenarios here. The other, you know, and the other thing is, is it could really just be a minor thing and They're not going to take chances on any of these guys right now. If a guy gets hurt, a pitcher gets hurt right now, they're probably just going to go to the injured list even if it's minor because a a seven-day injured list, I mean, you're only missing one start anyway. So if he goes to the injured list, he misses one start. If he's fine in a week, then he comes back. I mean it will be concerning if he's out for a month and a half, but if it's only – we really just have to see how long he's out before you can really say that you're. there's a significant concern there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, he didn't certainly didn't have much command in that start, but like he clearly felt well enough to make the start. So, you know, either something like he kind of feels, it feels like he tweaked something in that start and not like, you know, there was some kind of like long-term issue and there was, there was a discussion on the mound as to kind of what was going on. It wasn't like he was like, you know, like grabbing his elbow and being like, you know, all is lost type of thing. Uh, certainly is a frustrating thing for a guy like him because he gets an aggressive promotion to Mississippi and is starting. But as Garrett alluded to, you know, his, his size and profile kind of led us to think that he might end up being a reliever. And in order to kind of get to that profile, how do I put it? Something generally has to go wrong, if that makes any sense. And hopefully that isn't the case with Vodnik. And to kind of get to be a starter, again, you have to kind of put, be able to consistently string together those innings over a long season. Because I think there's a lot of guys who are capable of like putting together a start here and there. But the ability to go five or six innings every five games is, you know, that, that requires a certain a certain skill set and just a certain physical makeup. And, you know, there, I'm not, there has certainly been some guys who've been undersized who ended up, you know, having very decent careers as starters, but that's not typically what you want to see from your starters. Those, those, those guys who are a little bit bigger and have those larger frames typically just hold up better. So hopefully again, this is a minor thing. And that at the end of the season, we're kind of laughing that there's even any concern about it. And they just kind of missed one or two starts, but something that's definitely worth monitoring now uh, next little bit of news uh, and this is the guy who's technically still under our purview I think we're leaning towards not including him on the the midseason prospects list but just because I think that if he wasn't injured he wouldn't be eligible uh, that's Christian Pache uh, he was scheduled to start his rehab over this past weekend but for as though many of you probably are aware just based on you know following the major league side of things is that that rehab was delayed a couple days uh, he was supposed to be in the lineup on Saturday. It sounds like the, his like that groin issue of his flared up a little bit, or at least he wasn't quite ready. So they're waiting a few days. It looks like they're going to try again at the, uh, either tomorrow or maybe a little bit later in the week to kind of get him a start and get him going again at, down at Gwinnett. But you know, not great, obviously. Uh, I will say this, and I, I kind of want to ask you with his struggles at the plate in the major league levels, which were significant, right? I, mean, I, I don't think we we didn't think he was going to hit like you know 280 with 15 home runs in the first half or anything like that, but it certainly was pretty pronounced how bad he was at the at the plate this season. Do you think that even once his rehab finishes up, that he'll go straight back to Atlanta, or do you think that he'll they'll actually
0: keep him in Gwinnett for a little bit longer? I, I think I think at this point he'll. Uh, two weeks ago, I would have said just put him in just put him in Gwinnett, let him hit. I think at this point, I mean. I think that he's a better player than Abraham Almonte overall. And so, if the team wants to win now, I think that Pache is your best option. For his development, maybe it's better for him to be in the minor leagues. I mean, it might be a thing where instead of, you know, instead of making three rehab starts, he does, he spends a couple of weeks down there just to really get into the swing of things. It might not be like as soon as he feels ready, he's back to the major leagues. But I, I think. They will, they're going to be pushing to get him back to the major leagues as soon as possible because they need him there. And so I think that as soon as he shows any signs of life with the bat, he's going to be back in the major leagues.
1: Yeah. uh, The, the Braves roster situation certainly factors in here. It does depend if he's healthy. I I would say that it's, if he really struggles in his, in his rehab stint, that it's more likely he spends a fair bit of time in Gwinnett, I should say. But if he's hitting reasonably well in Gwinnett, I would not be shocked if he comes right back up. Because again, this is a team that's like starting Guillermo Heredia, I hear Andre uh, you know, Ender NCRT. These are guys getting regular at bats in the outfield right now for the Braves. And Pache is better than those guys. Uh, if for no other reason that defensively he's a big plus and that allows them, Ronnie, to move back over to right, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Those, there, there are positives to doing it. Now, I, I think that he probably does need some more work down in the minors, or at least he's gonna have a ways to go to kind of become a positive offensive player. But, you know, there's a certain amount of necessity here, and he's the guy that's already on the 40-man roster, which kind of changes things a little bit, especially in the wake of Marcelo Zuna's injury, followed by him being arrested for domestic violence. You know, that's been covered, that's been covered a lot elsewhere. Uh, obviously, you know, just wanna go ahead and point out, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, his, his family ends up finding peace and that, you know, there is a thorough investigation, both by Major League Baseball as well as the the police departments involved. It's just a really, really sad thing to have happen. I, I wish I had a better take on it. A lot of people are kind of, I don't know, taking these in like this this whole discussion in strange directions. But at the end of the day, there seems to be a very troubled relationship. And when there's a really troubled relationship, and when there's violence involved, regardless of whether that person's a high profile guy. Uh, could be an important part of a baseball team or just, you know, just a regular person that no one knows anything about. It's just a really kind of just a sad development. And I just hope that, you know, in the end justice is served, there's a full investigation, and that, you know, the kids involved especially, you know, everyone ends up being okay. So, uh, and in Ozuna's case, you know, the details, they don't sound great. Uh, They sound really, really bad. And, you know, if that's the case, then I frankly am hopeful that the Braves don't let him play another game in a Braves uniform. But that's just me. So, with that said, uh, that's more Major League stuff, and, you know, I'm sure that's gonna be covered elsewhere. Uh, another, th- another quick note, couple quick notes before we get to the roster breakdowns. Abraham Almonte, uh, was promoted to Atlanta today. Uh, speaking of guys that are not trying to fill in, down in, downing, uh, from Gwinnett to Atlanta. Uh, currently he, he drew a walk in this game. He certainly isn't, you know, embarrassing himself right now he's had a nice little year to start the to start the year for Gwinnett too so if you were going to have to pick a guy to fill in for an outfield spot was he the guy that you would have picked for Garrett
0: yeah I think I mean if you look really they have beyond Acuna they have three real outfielders that are healthy right now and that's Drew Waters Abraham Almonte, oh, four. Drew Waters, Abraham Amante, Indra Enciarte, and in Guillermo Heredia. is definitely going to play, and you obviously need a third and fourth outfielder, and so really the only option, you know, Waters isn't ready. The other guys are, you know, Demerit, Kitness, Arcia, guys, two guys that aren't good outfielders, and one guy that's never played outfield really in his life. So really, Amante's the only real option that they had and he's played well enough at Gwinnett that I think he, he deserves to be there. I hope that they find another option very soon. Let's just put it that way.
1: Yeah, I could see a little bit of a rotation there too. Like I, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, if Almonte really struggles and this absence is one that's prolonged that, you know, all of a sudden guys like Philip Irvin start getting longer looks, But again, this is, Things are kind of going south in the hurry when Abraham Almonte and Philip Irvin are your guys that you're kind of giving long looks to in the outfield. Uh, and same thing for Travis Demerit. I think Demerit's had a nice little start to the season, but, you know, Almonte's been a little better, I think, than Demerit, I think. Uh, and Demerit has kind of a, uh, a profile where he's going to strike out a whole bunch. And the one thing Almonte I don't think is going to do is strike out a whole lot. So, maybe that is something that they were factoring into those, into those considerations. And there's a lot of things, too, like using minor league options and, you know, which guys do you want to use a 40-man spot on? And if you feel like you need to replace them, which guys are you okay with, you know, removing from the 40-man, et cetera, et cetera? There's a lot to factor in here. Uh, to make room for the. For the, on the 40 man, 4 monte, they put know on the 60 day IL, which doesn't seem to change very much for his timeline. Uh, he was going to be out for a while, not only just after breaking his hand, but also that rehab process is probably going to take a little bit longer than, you know, just a guy who like, you know, pulled a hamstring or something like that. Has to get used to pitching again with that hand that, you know, is, you know, what was injured and it's not something that's, you know, again, you can't just, you know, just go, okay, I'm good to go and just prove it. There's just, there's going to be a process for that. So with all that said, uh, now we're going to get back into down to the roster breakdowns, and we're going to start with Gwinnett. Now, Garrett, as is customary here on the show, I want you to pick two players that impressed you this week and one that didn't, uh, for whatever reason. Again, there's a there's a there's a bit of a range of outcomes here. So, yeah. So
0: no one Gwinnett has really kind of struggled the last. I mean, they had a really good week this week, they had a really bad week the week before. They've kind of been up and down, and no one has really, like, put together any sort of extended success. So with these guys, I'm picking out a couple of starters that had one good start, one really bad start. So first is Kyle Muller. His start last week, two weeks ago, was kind of what we've come to expect from Muller. He gave up a lot of walks. He didn't look that great. Whatever. But last week's start was probably the best I have seen him look in a Braves uniform. He, his fastball location, his fastball location wasn't great. It was decent. He was keeping it around the zone. He wasn't missing wildly. He was getting swings and misses on, I mean, his fastball is electric. He's going to throw it by guys at every level. The thing that really made the difference for him was is he was keeping his slider near the zone, below the zone and he was locating that pitch really 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 well. And so he was getting a lot of swings and misses, he wasn't piling up walks and he was getting through batters quickly. He was finishing he would get to two strikes, he'd finish the guy. He ended up with eight strikeouts, didn't walk anybody. You know, he gave up one home run. Uh, I think it was in the first inning of the game. Or it was either like the first... No, it was early in the game. He made one mistake on a fastball, gave up a home run. That happens sometimes. It was a solo home run, is what it is. Other than that, he kept the ball out of the middle of the zone, wasn't extremely wild with it, was great with the slider. I mean, absolutely fantastic with the slider. Dropped in a couple of good change-ups, and he still doesn't really throw that pitch a ton. But overall... The best I have seen him look in a Braves uniform, and it was a really, really good start, and I hope he can build on that going forward. He's not going to pitch like that every single time out, but more of locating – more of being able to get to two strikes and finish those guys off is really the big thing for him to get to the next level because he's not – he has his times where he loses his command. But typically with Mueller, when he struggles, he gets to two strikes and then walks the guy and he'll walk out on six or seven pitches, and then all of a sudden he's out after four innings because he racked up 30 pitches just on walks. And seeing him be able to get two two strikes and finish batters off is a really big step for him, and getting to that level of efficiency is going to be important for him. I don't think that he's ever going to be a great command guy. I don't think that he's ever going to be a guy that doesn't walk more than the average player, but being able to end at bats quickly is going to limit Is going to cover up some of his control issues and allow him to remain as a starter, which is what we really hope he can do. Hope he can remain as a starter and work in the games. Uh, the other one would be Jaciel de la Cruz. Now this one, I want to say he's, his numbers are maybe a little bit better than he actually looked. His stuff was great. His fastball was, his fastball was getting ground balls like it normally does. His slider was getting a tons of swings and misses. He looked really good. Now, he only had one walk in seven and two thirds innings. I'm gonna tell you right now his command was not nearly that good. He just finished off some at bats quickly and was able to, when he got in deep account deep counts, make the right pitch to get out. His command wasn't that great, but his stuff looked really, really good. And for him, I think right now I mean he has one walk this season. I think the whole the key with him is his command isn't quite where I thought it was going to be, but he's taken a step forward in being able to get swings and misses on the slider and located a little bit better than he has in the past. That's a good step for him. He's not throwing the changeup at all as far as I can see, and I don't know if his fastball is good enough for him to survive as a starter. You know, it's not quite as Good as like you know, Noah right now is scraping by with two pitches. I I think De La Cruz's slider is better, but I don't know if his fastball is good enough for him to make it as a pitcher, as a starting pitcher. I, again, that's a wait and see thing. It's really early for him, and he's not. He's not. I I think that bouncing up and down has kind of affected where he is with that pitch right now. But I I like what I'm seeing with the slider so far. I think it's a good development for him and I'm really interested to see how he's a, if he's able to maintain that and really keep the ball down. He's kept all of his sliders down and he isn't getting hit on that pitch much. Um, on the bad side, I mean, no one like was egregiously awful. I think that the worst performer in terms of guys that are actually relevant to the major league team would have been Orlando Arcia. Last couple of weeks, he's, n- his quality of contact is not nearly what it was when he was hitting like 20 home runs or whatever it was in the first week. It was a lot. Yeah. No, none of us expected him to, none of us expected him to maintain that pace. It wasn't possible. His quality of contact has gone down. It's worth mentioning he's only struck out five times in 52 plate appearances, which is very good. And yep. I, I mean, he's had a low, the bip, which does hurt him. I think that. But I think he's kind of coming to down to earth in a sense that you're seeing that, okay, he's obviously – he has made changes in his swing and they are good changes in his swing. I think they're going to allow him to drive the ball better than he did when he was in Milwaukee. But I don't think that – I think he's shown enough for us to say at this point, okay, he still has to work on that. And there are still portions of the game where he has to work and hit the ball more frequently. And so in some – it wasn't like – he if he he was the worst performer and really overall I don't think that he was horrible I think that he played decently well he had some bad bad at ball luck and he's in a slump where he's not hitting the ball hard I think that it all evens out with was the first couple of weeks I think overall his season has been impressive but he's shown enough in this last week for me to not be so ready to throw him in the major leagues and hope he can play left field he he definitely has shown that he still has to do some work for those changes with his swing to stick.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I generally echo all those. I do want to see, generally speaking, that the Gwinnett rotation those last couple of weeks has been very, very good. Um, you take a look at the like, start that Kyle Wright made the other day. I think it was like six innings and no earned runs. Didn't miss a ton of bats, but, you know, again, was like struck out enough guys, and it was pretty weak contact when he was, when he was giving up contact. Bryce Wilson had a good start. Uh, Not this past week, but the week before, Tucker Davidson had another great start. He was going to start this week, but they held his start back because he was supposed to be pitching this week for the Braves. That was kind of the general plan since Bryce wasn't eligible to come off the – wasn't eligible because he had been sent down so soon. And so it would have been Tucker. So his turn was functionally skipped in the rotation for Gwinnett, and now because of all the rainouts in in New York – that got pushed back so they're not going to pitch him this week at all. So we're going to see Tucker soon. He hasn't pitched in a while. He's basically, you know, missed a turn in the rotation. But that's not anything that he did. Or there wasn't any reason for that beyond just he was just in a situation where he was going to be pitching this week and they didn't want to start him to where he wouldn't be available. Um, But, again, the rotation's been good. And I do want to highlight that. I also want to highlight Alex Jackson. Uh, I know this is kind of like a, a meme because whenever you saw him, you know, playing in Atlanta, it seemed like, you know, the outcome was just he was – Probably 70% to strike out in any given at-bat. And, you know, maybe it was like a 3% chance of getting a hit. Uh, The rest were just kind of like fly outs or ground outs. But he has had himself a week since coming back from the injured list. And the game that he had on the 27th where he ended up hitting three home runs was wild. Like, he had multiple chances to get four home runs in that game. I was kind of convinced he was going to do it because they just kept pitching him right down the middle. You know, 13 13 total bases in a game. He was really, really, really good. And the next game he hits another home run. So I I have been hard on Ajax at times because I do think that the hit tool is bad enough where I just don't think you can play him as a backup catcher even. But he does have these stretches sometimes, and he does do things sometimes with that, like probably some of the best raw power in the whole system that makes you, you know, kind of want to dream on him a little bit, right? Like it's kind of like you want – you know, you, you want him to kind of figure things out because if he figures things out and he can like just hit 250, but tap into his power with some amount of regularity, like that's an everyday major league player because he's good enough. He, I think he's good enough defensively to do that, which is not something I would have expected to say a few years ago when he was having to be converted back to being a catcher from being an outfielder in the Seattle system. But you know, here we are. And you know, the one thing that it's not to hit, it's, it's the hit tool and it's his ability to be a plus at the plate that is the open question mark. And then he has games like this where you just go, "I wonder if maybe he's you know starting to figure something out and he won't strike out all the time." Again, I'm very skeptical about that, but he had himself quite uh, quite the game the other day and had a good week overall. So I'm gonna you know hat tip to him. Uh, I don't know if I have guys that are that have bad weeks, but the things that are kind of a little bit like things that caught my eye. One is that Shane Green hasn't pitched in a while. Um, and I know that sounds like a strange thing to say for a guy who's just now getting signed and getting, and playing like, there's a certain amount of understanding that one has to have that it's just give him some time in between appearances and let him get stretched out to being a reliever. But at this pace he's currently on, I'm not sure when he can play in Atlanta. You know what I mean? Because he, he, he made his debut on the 22nd, then he pitched on the 26th and that's all we've seen from him. Now, both appearances went well. Didn't give up an earned run. He gave up a hit the first one. He was striking out guys. He looked like a guy. He looked like a major or go against minor league pitchers, minor league players. But we haven't really seen him pitch all that much, and it doesn't seem like he's on much of an accelerated schedule to join the Braves bullpen. And this is the bullpen that really could use him. You know what I mean? Like, there's they they keep trying to rotate some other guys in. Jay Flog got a look the other day that didn't go very well, and just it seems like every guy they've been trying to rotate into that bullpen out of Gwinnett just hasn't been able to give them much in the way of just. Even a few quality appearances. You know, you don't have, you don't need a guy who's going to make any appearances this year for you right now because you have Shane Green waiting, but it just doesn't seem like that there's much urgency to get him back into the bullpen and there's going to take some time with it, which makes me wonder a little bit as to when we're going to see him at all. Now, the other guy I want to talk about is Drew Waters, who's the guy that we get asked about a lot once as soon as the Ozuna injury and arrest news, both, both instances when those things broke people are you know, tweeting Drew Waters time, question mark, and all this other stuff. I do not think that Drew Waters is ready. I'll just go ahead and say that now. Uh, I think that there's a, there are reasons to be somewhat skeptical of what he would do against major league p- pitching right now. But I will say this. One thing that is very clear about what he's doing right now is that he is trying his best to integrate more patience into his approach, and in a lot of respects that is paying dividends. He's drawing more walks. Uh, the at bats seem to be better. He's getting deeper into counts now. When he gets deeper into counts, results may vary. Sometimes he is willing to draw those walks, and sometimes he's wanting to do more to draw a walk, and he wants to start impacting the ball, and that tends to that can result in strikeouts or some particularly you know ugly results. But we're seeing positive development towards that end. I am seeing that. Even if, like, the numbers don't always bear it out, it just – the bats aren't – he's not getting, like, you know, oh, just getting blown away by pitching or, you know, just seems to be completely clueless about pitch recognition or anything like that. There's clearly work that's being done there. However, what I'm not seeing very much out of him is him impacting the ball. Like, it's just not a lot of hard contact. When he gets on the bases – he causes all sorts of havoc. You know, he's stealing bases or he's taking extra bases. Uh, it's pretty clear that a lot of these other teams don't like him very much. Uh, I'm I'm willing to suspect – I suspect that he is a bit of a trash talker, uh, certainly has a flashy personality. And, again, even within the Braves organization, you'll find guys who love him for how competitive and how energetic he is and others who just wish that he wouldn't do some of the things that he does. But, overall, th- that's kind of the concern I guess I have is that with this kind of change in his approach – it is changing a little bit of what makes him unique and tantalizing as a prospect because he certainly that power and that ability to get extra base hits and kind of be that five tool guy is the thing that really draws my attention and not just that, you know, he's a guy that can get on base and maybe be a decent lead leadoff hitter. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think the concern, you know, the obvious concern when you look at his battered ball profile right now is he's hitting a ton of ground balls. He's still hitting a lot of line drives, which is good, but he's being pitched down and in a, a lot on fastballs, and he's not able to – this is a little bit surprising. It's more apparent, I think, from the right side of the plate, which has always been his issue, but it's apparent that he's struggling to get underneath those balls and hit them for line drives. He's hitting a lot of those straight into the ground. Now – The Drew Waters version of rolling over a pitch is, you know, a 95-mile-per-hour seed to the second baseman, but it's still not a high-quality, you know, batted ball for him. And you do want to see him lift the ball more often. Now, when he's getting mistakes up in the zone, he is doing a better job of driving them. I think that, you know, the issue issue with Drew is is he goes through And we've even seen that this season. He goes through – he'll go through two weeks at a time where he can't hit anything. And then he'll go through two weeks at a time where he's absolutely unstoppable. And we've seen that some this year already of a guy who's so up and down that it's kind of hard to get a feel for exactly what he's doing. The biggest issue is is he's got to – he's struggling on fastballs, which I think is the concern. He's actually – His pitch recognition is good. He's staying in on tough breaking balls, but he's struggling with fastballs right now, which is not the best sign. He has the bat speed. He's not like missing fastballs necessarily, but he's a little bit behind him, which could just be the long layoff. He's on top of the fastballs a lot, and that's kind of impacting his ability. Obviously, that's going to impact his ability to drive the ball. Now, one of the things that, I've noticed, at least watching his at bats, is there have been a ton of foul balls to either side of the, either side that he's fouling off really, really well. And then the ball that he puts in play is a poor ball. So now if he can start to get those ball, those hits a little more in between the lines, maybe something changes in that regard. Um, I, but I just think that the definite issue is, is we want to see. He's got to cover up that inside part of the plate and be able to get to that ball. And he's not necessarily swinging missing at it a ton. He's fouling off a lot of pitches down there. But it's clear that he's not able to put a ball into the seats when it's down and in on his hands like that. And he's going – and he's just rolling over the ball more often. So down and in. He's got to work on covering that up. I don't think that it's necessarily a hole in his swing. I think he can get to that pitch just fine. I think it's – whether it's connected to his approach, whether it's just kind of a – his timing is a little bit off right now. He's not getting to that pitch. And obviously there's some sort of book on him because every single team is doing this to him. So there's obviously something that's out there that he's shown that he's not able to hit that pitch, but I don't necessarily know if I'm worried about the swing being the problem there. Just rather that's just a pitch. He has to learn how to hit better. Um I am with you. I don't think that I I'm curious if he'll be ready at all this year. I think he's shown enough. It's one of those things where two months from now, he might have combined the, he might have figured out how to hit pitching all around the zone and he's still drawing walks. And at that point, you're tempted to come up, bring him up, but it's also a situation where he's, you know, two months of success doesn't necessarily guarantee that he's figured it out. He still needs to work. And so I don't know if I think Drew is one that had he had last season, he would be in the major leagues right now. I think he's one that kind of last season really pushed him back a ton because he was he needed to develop against pitching at the triple A level and he didn't get that. And so I think that you kind of have to I don't honestly know if he'll be ready by the end of the season to come in and be an impact back bat for the Braves. I don't think that he'll be ready yet. Now if he is hitting at the triple A level, I would be tempted to bring him up just because he's good enough defensively and on the basis that if he's hitting in AAA and he's ready to come up to the major leagues. If he struggles for a while, he's still going to be okay, but I think we've seen a lot. I think we've seen I've seen enough this year in regards to his inability to cover certain parts of the zone that I don't know if he'll be able to fix that by the end of the season, I think.
1: Yeah, it's a tricky thing, right? Because you the the problem is that the development you want him to be able to have the opportunity to get. You don't want to bring up a guy too soon. And there's people who certainly make the argument that Pache was brought up too soon. Now, you know, maybe the, you, you look at his performance in the playoffs and he looked like you per- seemed to belong against major league kidding when he was in the playoffs. But this year he doesn't, hasn't didn't really look like he had much of a chance against a lot of these pitchers. So, you know, maybe there's a, there's some wisdom in just keeping him down there for a little bit longer. And the same goes for waters. You just don't know, you know, with that approach of his, that, you know, even with the changes he's made right now, if he's going to be able to handle major league pitching quite yet, and that's not a long term prognosis on him. We still think he's one of, if not the best prospect in the Braves farm system, but you know, just needs some more work and just needs to be able to that quality of pitching and getting used to that is something that takes a little bit of time. However, the Braves are in a bit of a pickle because the quality of the outfielders outside of Ronald Acuna right now is pretty low, and so the bar that he has to clear is pretty low. Uh, regarding that spot, and if he if he starts hitting for a month or two, and the Braves are still kind of in this position, I wouldn't be shocked if they brought him up. This is kind of a prime opportunity. With like we talked at the beginning of the season that you know we don't see we didn't see Drew Waters coming up this year unless there was a long term injury. Now in Ozuna's case, there's both a long term injury, and we don't think he's going to take you know suit up in a Braves uniform again with for good reason. But at the same time, this is kind of the situation where that makes that call up more likely. However, given where he is right now, probably needs a little bit more time. Uh, so I'm I de- I'm definitely with you there. I think he does need some more time. Uh, don't rush it. And it seems like the Braves tend to agree with it because you know, in the wake of everything, they decide to call up Abraham Almonte, who again isn't a <laughs> is barely a short term answer, and you know is certainly not a long term one out in the outfield. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Before we go to Mississippi, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability
1: is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our
0: nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: All right, Garrett. We are ready to talk about one of the, I think, the weirdest performing teams uh, in the minor leagues this year. Certainly one that we had higher hopes for than what has ultimately happened. Uh, and that's the Mississippi Braves, the Braves AA affiliate. Uh, same deal, just same deal as the Gwinnett. Uh, give me two guys that you have really impressed you and one guy that hasn't.
0: First guy that I'm going to go to that impressed me just watching a couple of his games this week was Troy Bacon. I He's been so good, man. His changeup was – he hasn't – has he given up a run this year? I don't think he has. Yeah, he hasn't given up a run this year. His changeup was really, really, really good. He's not a guy that – he strikes out a fair amount, but he's not like a huge strikeout reliever. But he doesn't – I mean he gives up. With his change up and he has kind of a sinker fastball. I, I, you see, I mean, and you see it in his numbers. I mean, he has a 343 OPS against against lefties this year, which I mean, he has a 460 against righties. So it's not like that's a huge difference, but you see, I mean, that change up this, the change up and that sinker really he gets a ton of ground balls he strikes out enough batters and he really doesn't walk a ton uh going back to last year you look at him last year he didn't or two years ago he didn't do as well against left-handed batters but he still isn't giving up a ton of he doesn't give up huge power numbers to left-handed batters so it's a guy that can come in and get you three outs against anybody and i mean that changes up to the legit pitch it's a really good pitch i Question if he will strike out enough bat- batters at the major league level. But it's clear he's not going to walk a ton. It's clear that that changeup is really, really good and can force weak contact. Um, another guy that's looked really good – the obvious one that's looked really good is Shea Langoliers, Um But another guy that has looked really, really good outside of that is CJ Alexander. Alexander was really one of the guys that we went way, way high on three years ago. Then two years ago, he was injured the whole season, completely lost it, completely lost COVID last year. And that's really put him in a bad situation. The beginning of this season was a struggle for him. But the last week or two, he's he's starting to catch up to and impact fastballs. And I think that's the big difference that we're seeing whereas two years ago he was so off schedule that he never he was never able to hit a fastball he wasn't able to hit for power he completely lost that the last couple of weeks now his numbers haven't been spectacular he hasn't had a lot of extra base hits which has been impacting his numbers overall but he's striking out at a lower rate he has he had a three strikeout game on the first game two weeks ago and since then he has like five strikeouts in seven games which is really good he's drawing walks he's Overall, this season, he's hit for power. It's kind of been on and off. But overall, this season, he's a guy – I don't worry about his power production. He's huge. He can hit the ball a long way. Uh But I really like the way that he's started to catch up to fastballs and impact those again. And he was a guy that three years ago, we it was a debate whether you liked him or Austin Riley more. And we're starting to see him show signs of coming out of that, and I think that that's a huge sign because if he can start hitting, that's another, that's a major addition to the system, talent-wise, if he can start hitting again. Um, going to the guys, I mean, there's a few guys that have kind of struggled for this team. I think the one that I've talked about most that has struggled the last couple of weeks is Justin Dean. I really got on the Justin Dean hype train and then he started striking out a ton, which they face some tough pitchers. Guys go through bad spells, but it is worth mentioning the major concern with him is, is he going to hit enough? And the last couple of weeks he's struck out 33% of the time, and he's hitting like 171. He's drawing a lot of walks. He still steals a ton of bases. Great defense, but he started to – you started to see the holes in his offensive game, which does concern you because he is a guy that if he doesn't hit, you feel Fairly confident that he'll be good enough to be a fourth outfielder, but if he starts striking out a ton, that's not even going to be a point for him. I have a lot of confidence in Dean, but it is concerning to see him struggle. Um, another guy that struggled, I, I know you only said one, but another guy that struggled is the other outfielder, which would be Trey Harris. He didn't strike out a ton for the first couple of weeks. Now he's striking out a fairly good amount. He's still not hitting for power. I don't really know what's going on there, but he's hitting a ton of ground balls all of a sudden, which is... Not good, not good at all.
1: No, the tra- Trey has certainly been a bit disappointing, at least for this first month of the season. He's a guy that hits well enough, and is like I think enough as a hitter that I think he'll end up, you know, getting back to those that line drive approach and kind of spraying the ball over the field. That I think he will be fine, and he's like shown signs here and there that he's kind of breaking out of it. As again, he's another guy that's like kind of hit some foul balls pretty hard, and then ends up like you know getting that weak grounder that makes the result of the out at-bats seem worse than what the quality of that bat actually was. Um, I, a couple guys that I do want to highlight, one and uh, who's been really good all year long, and I want to make sure that we're giving some love to, is Matt Withrow, uh, who's had to overcome a whole bunch of injuries. Uh, sixth round pick back in 2015, back when you and I started this thing, Garrett. Uh, we, we've loved Matt for a long time, and you know, he's an easy guy to root for. He has been really, really good. He, he 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 gives them some starts. Sometimes he comes in in relief. He's given up a total of one earned run all year. Uh, guys, he's not getting like opposing batters are hitting like 113 against him or something like that. Uh, you know, ERA of .55 on the season. I would love to see him get sent to Gwinnett and see if he can do something because I, I don't think that he's a starter in the major leagues. I don't. Uh, and at his age, you know, you start, you know, he's 27. He'll be, well, I think he turns 28 this summer. You know, he eventually you have to kind of give an opportunity one way or the other. And he's been kind of the, <laughs> he, he's basically a player coach at Mississippi right now. And they love him down there. But giving him an opportunity in Gwinnett just to see if maybe he can be a, an asset at the Major League level as a reliever. Color me interested. You know, again, had to come overcome a shoulder injury, has had to miss a lot of time over the last few years. I really hope that he gets a shot because, you know, right now I just think he's he he is too good for double A right now. And just you know, get triple AAA, and if he performs well there, maybe he's one of those guys that you give an opportunity in the bullpen and see if he can do something. I, I, again, not like a super high profile prospect, at least not anymore, but a guy that we're I, I am actively rooting for to prove me wrong. Uh, to come back from everything that he's had to overcome. Uh, another guy who's who is good and, and Garrett alluded to it was Shea Langleyers. Langleyers is really hitting well right now. It's hit safely in six of his last ten, six of his last seven games. Uh, hit a grand slam the other night. Has had had a walk walk off hit the other night. Had a home run after the has had, you know, he's hitting for power. He's been the best offensive player on Mississippi. I you know over the last week or so for sure. One uh, the the AA South player of the week award uh, this today. Uh, congratulations to him for that. He's been really, really good. And you know, if the bat plays, then he gets, he's even more interesting than he already is. And I love watching him. I mean, like the, the decisions that, that opposing bench runners make against him, like either they're very scared of what he could do to them. And they're like taking like these really super short leads at first, or they don't even bother, like even feigning an attempt to run or, it's the opposite. They, they try to get cute at first base or they try to like steal third base on him. And it never ends well. Cause he's a guy like, if you want to see like really fun pickoff moves from catchers to first, Shay has a really good one and he's gotten some guys. And the other night, I don't know what possessed this guy to do this, but in like a, a close game, this guy decided to try to steal third base on Shane Langoliers. And it's already tough sledding to try to do so at second base where he has to make the longer throw because he has such a strong arm and he pops up so quick. But if you're trying to steal third base and he can just, like, get behind his throw and just rifle it down there super fast, and he's constantly aware of, you know, these base running situations and, you know, what those base runners are doing, he's fun to watch, controlling the running game. I'll I'll say that much. You know, still getting used to the, you know, having the knee in the dirt catching type stuff, but... Overall, really happy. I also want to highlight Drew, uh, Drew Lugbauer, who's, I mean, if it's not been Shea Langeliers who's been the best hitter on this Mississippi team, to the surprise of, frankly, all of us, it's been Drew Lugbauer. He has his average over three hundred right now, which kind of blows my mind. You know, hitting for power. He's just doing good work down there, man. I, whenever last time we saw him, it seemed like he was striking at a ton, and wasn't able to really kind of be an impact player enough. Every once in a while he gets a hold of one. You're like, oh, well, Slugbauer got a hold of one. And when he was after he was drafted, we really thought highly of the the power that he was bringing to the organization and just never really seemed like it came together for him. But he's hitting really well right now, so really happy about that. Um, And again, the the easy guy to highlight is a guy that's been struggling. But one that I think is worth mentioning again is Braden Shoemake. I know that we were lower on him than most other outlets, Uh, but the one thing that we assumed was never going to be the case is that he wasn't going to hit at all. You know, there were open questions about his power. There were open questions about what position he should play, and we think he's going to be, we still think he can play shortstop. He's not hitting at all. I mean, his OPS, his OPS is 341 on the season. He's batting below 100. You know, they've tried him in different spots in the lineup. They had a batting leadoff the other night, and I have no idea why they decided to do that, but it just, it hasn't been very good. I don't know really know what to make of it, to be honest with you. Cause again, the one thing I thought he would do was hit the ball consistently and he hasn't been able to do it. It's a lot of weak grounders, not a lot of just, again, just you don't really know. I don't really know what to make of it because again, the one thing I thought he would do is hit. I wasn't convinced he was going to hit for power and I wasn't convinced of where he was going to play in the infield, but now he's not really doing much of anything. So it's kind yeah. of a rough situation for him.
0: Yeah, one thing, you know, you look at, you know, mildly bad at ball numbers, like sometimes it gets weird with the way they're recorded, but you look at him at every single level he's played at so far, which all three are small samples, but every single level he's had a line drive rate below 20%. And I don't like hit tool first prospects, not hitting line drives. That's the one thing you want to see them do is hit a lot of line drives and he's not doing that. And that's a, uh, obvious concern for him i think that that's and, the biggest concern in his in his entire profile is is he's has never he has not hit line drives at a profession as a professional and he's hitting a lot of ground balls and really weak fly balls and that's it's just not gonna work and he's striking yeah. out now which is even worse yeah what what he's striking out and like
1: he has stated that his approach is that he wants to hit line drives and he's not doing it like, it's not like an approach thing where, you know, like, his goal and what he's trying to do isn't necessarily to hit the ball in the air and try to hit home runs. He wants to hit line drives, but they're not happening. They're just not. Like, there's just not a lot of hard contact coming off his bat, period. And, you know, when you're hitting weak ground balls and, you know, and, you know, pop ups and all this other stuff, that's not really going to do much for you. Uh, another guy who's been a little bit, I, I say a little bit disappointing, but frankly, my. My hopes for him weren't particularly high, has been Grayson Janista, uh, batting under 200 on the season, has not had a good, a good week, uh, worth mentioning that he did hit a home run the other day, uh, and certainly since we last recorded. So, you know, again, certainly capable of good things, of good things happening when he gets a hold of one, but, you know, overall the results haven't been particularly great. He's kind of struggling to kind of, ha- like, maintain his current, like, 185 batting average, gets a hit every now and then, but overall, you know, for a guy that was picked as highly as he was, he's been, frankly, a little bit disappointing. Uh, hopefully he can turn things around there. Now we head to Rome, where things are going to – this is a weird team to talk about, man. And I, I actually went to Rome this past week, so I have some thoughts here. But, Garrett, talk to me about your two guys that you liked and uh, one that was less than great.
0: Um, two most impressive guys I think are going to be – over the last couple of weeks, are gonna be fairly obvious ones, if you've watched the games, and that's, number one is, uh, Indigo Diaz has been absolute, I mean, I don't know why, he, if he's not called up in the next couple of days, I don't really know what they're doing anymore because he's pitching as good as I've ever seen a pitcher pitch at that level.
1: I love that three inning performance the, the other day. Three oh innings,
0: God. no hits, eight strikeouts. He struck out four batters in the tenth inning and didn't give up a run. I, one of, I mean, he's has a over the last five days, over the last five games. I'm, let me pull up this number real quick. He has a 108 OPS against 108. That's batters have a a zero forty nine slugging percentage against him this year. Two hits and forty one at bats, both were singles. Uh, it's and he's when you watch him, he clearly the stuff is there to do that. It's not like he's just taking advantage of hitters that aren't that good. He's definitely has the stuff to succeed as a pitcher. I, I mean, he's right now the best reliever in the i mean he's not necessarily the best relief prospect in the system but he is the most he is the highest performing reliever in the system by a fairly good margin he's doing everything right right now and if he doesn't get promoted to mississippi they're doing something wrong because he's absolutely earned it um other guy we're never going to get through an episode with talking about him i hope we never until he gets called up to the major leagues i don't want to ever not talk about him in an episode and that is michael harris he in the last two weeks has gone hitless in exactly one game. Um, yep. he's, he struggled a little bit at the beginning of the year with strikeouts. Not a ton, but he did house some strikeouts. That's completely gone away. He hasn't been striking out a ton. Now, the one concern is he hasn't been drawing a ton of walks. Uh, but if you look at his numbers, he's getting like 75% strikes, which is absolutely insane. Uh, he's not hitting for a lot of power. Again, I, I think that that's kind of the approach they're working on him with with him right now is hit the ball the other way, hit ground balls, make contact. That's kind of what they're working on with him at the low A level, a high A level. It's So it's not necessarily a matter of he can't do it. It's a matter of that's not what they're focusing on with him. Is that beneficial for him long-term? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not going to really judge on that. I think that he's going to hit for power. It's not a concern of mine. It's worth just worth mentioning he's not really doing it right now. He's focusing on contact. I think the one – the one thing I will say that I don't like is they are bunting him like multiple times a game and I don't get it. I get working on bunts, but like every single game is a little bit excessive. It is worth mentioning. He's really, really good at it. And yeah, the one, the one he dropped. Yeah,
1: the one he dropped the other night with
0: the ball just died. I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's a skill and that's that is going to help at the major league level if he can bunt that way. Teams aren't going to be able to shift on him because it's giving him a base, which is a skill that is worth developing in this day and age. I think it might be worth developing that skill so that he can limit shifts at the same time. I don't necessarily think it's an overall positive to develop to his development to do it every single time he hits. It's a little much. But when he is swinging in the bat, he's hitting more ground balls than we expect again I think it's part of the approach but he's hitting I mean he's making solid contact he's hitting line drives he's had a good feel for the zone good two strike approach everything he's doing the right things he's made he's developing the way we've seen he's played watching him defensively I can see every single change that he has made in the last two years and I'm impressed he's taking better routes he's closing in on the ball better I still I think he can play center field at the at the major league level. I think he could be an average center fielder at the major league level. I don't know if he will quite once he fully matures. I don't think he'll have the closing speed to be a player that's as good as like Drew Waters defensively. I think he's a good defensive center fielder. I don't think that he's ever going to be like a great one. I don't know if he's going to be like an above average center center fielder, but he can definitely play the position. The routes have looked good. Um, He's getting good jumps on balls. He's definitely recognizing contact and he's not making a ton of mistakes out there. He's You can see the maturity. You can see that he knows what he's doing and that he has worked really, really hard on his game out there to do it the right way. He's got a great arm. He plays the position very, very well. I'm impressed with his skill set there. Again, he gets off quickly. He doesn't always close on balls in the gap as quick as say a guy like Pache or Waters does where if you hit a ball in the gap, They can kind of go chase it down. I don't know if Harris is quite fast enough to do that is what it is. That's not everything about playing the outfield, but it is a part worth mentioning, but he's improved. What I saw with him in Rome two years ago was he was somewhat unsure on his routes and that led to him not getting to balls. Whereas this year he, the ball comes off the bat and he's going to it in a line. He's getting there. And that's a, huge development and it gives a lot of confidence that you it doesn't put as much stress on his back when you can play the center field position well he's a better defender at that age you know i guess the comparison would be ronald acuna at that age defensively he's better he takes better routes he's not quite as fast but he takes better routes and is a better he's a more developed defender than acuna was out of that age and you can see that acuna is a good enough outfielder to play center field so I know I like what I've seen from him defensively and offensively. He's definitely put in work the last couple of years, and it, over the last couple of weeks, he's really showed that off. Uh I'm going to go to a couple of bad players here. One, I'm not going to talk. One isn't really. I wouldn't, bad.
1: I wouldn't call them bad players. they not playing. Not, well. not playing. <laughs>
0: one has ha- one has had a bad week. One has not ha- really had a bad week, but I want to talk about him. So the one that's had a really bad season is Jesse Franklin, and it's. I really thought that he was gonna hit, and unfortunately he's, like Shoemaker, he's doing better than Shoemaker, and he had a four-hit game the other day. He's showing signs of life at the plate. He's drawing, well, I guess he actually isn't drawing walks. He was getting pretty deep into counts early in the season, he hasn't lately, but, you know, Franklin's striking out a fairly good amount, not a ton, but he has his days where he strikes out, but he's just not, he's not impacting the ball, and it is a concern for a guy that is from what I've seen, he's going to be a corner outfielder and he has to be able to impact the ball. I don't think that he's going to stick there. And right now he's not showing enough offensively to convince you of that. Now the deal with Franklin is, is he really hasn't played baseball in like two, th- two years, three years, which is definitely contributing to the fact that he's behind. And so I don't want to, I don't want to make sweeping judgments on him until we see a few more months of him but it's i would like to
1: see him in augusta that's what i would
0: have yeah picked, but. but it but it's clear that you know it's you can tell that he hasn't played in a while and it, how much that's going to impact his development long term i'm really not sure of i mean we saw it with him at michigan he has the potential to be a very very good hitter he's not showing that right now how that turns out i don't know right now it's not turning out very well Another guy that I want to talk about real quick that's actually pitched very well, uh, much, much better than I expected, would be Trey Riley. Now, you look at him. He has – I mean his ERA is not great, but he's striking out guys. He's not walking a ton. The thing that I, I've i seen with him is that I don't think that his – I think that his breaking ball has backed up from what we saw out of him as college. I don't think that his – he – I haven't seen the slider a ton, and I don't know if he's going away from the slider or if he's kind of changed the plane of the slider, but it's not the same pitch that we saw with him in college. And it's not – honestly, I think with his mechanics, it do, he's not getting – I think the, his mechanics and his arm path – doesn't really play well with that downward curveball and it's not really that sharp it's kind of spins a little bit it's not really a great pitch I want to see him use the slider a little more because I think that with the way his mechanics are geared I think that the slider is the better pitch for him but overall I mean I think he's in a better spot than he was last year but watching him play I don't think that his mechanics are going to work for him because he kind of his arm path is so long and he drops his arm so far that he's way, way, way behind the rest of his body with his arm. And that's not, that's not good for a health, from a health perspective and it's not good for a command perspective. And I mean, right now it's working, but I think that it's limiting, it's going to limit him health wise. I think it's going li- to, it could limit him health wise. It's hard to predict pitchers and health. It, you can never do it, but it could, it is something that could limit him help with the wise. It's definitely going to limit him in his ability to command the ball being that out of sync with the rest of his body. And I think that his arm path is kind of impacting his ability to get through his curveball and really get tight spin on it. And I think that it's impacting that pitch as well. I will say I, in the times I watched him, I didn't see the slider. So, I can't necessarily judge that pitch and he has performed well, but I will say that I haven't been incredibly, I haven't been impressed by his actual watching him as I have been by his numbers so far.
1: Those are definitely guys worth highlighting. I'm going to go through mine relatively quick because we are, you know, we're running a little bit long, but uh, I do want to mention a couple guys. Uh, Rome has a couple good relievers on that roster. Another one that's been really good is Casey Kallick. Uh Gave up his first earned run this past week, but overall has just been kind of, like, Mr. Steady out towards the back of these, like, close games. You know, generally doesn't give up any hits or any runs. Has been striking out guys at a good rate. Isn't walking a ton of guys. He'll usually walk, like, almost a batter per outing. But beyond that, overall, considering a guy who had, like, basically had to, like, have his wrist rebuilt because he had been pitching with a broken wrist for so long... Really, really impressive to see out of him. Um, another guy who I think, a couple names that I want to mention is, uh, one is Jared Schuster. He did make a start recently, but didn't get, didn't make it out of the third inning. And, you know, this was after a long layoff. So I'm beginning to get a little bit concerned that there's something kind of systemic. Wrong with Schuster. Uh, we had heard that again. He was dealing with an injury in spring training, and that there was issues at the alternate site too. Made his opening week start, where he was pulled in the fourth. That wasn't particularly weird for the first start of the season, but then missed a bunch of time. And there's a lot of reasons it could be. It could be. A, it could have been. A, it could have been a COVID thing. It could have been, you know, like holdovers from an injury issue. I am curious as to how he is used going forward, because as a first round pick, you really want to see you know, that pick pay dividends, and right now we're just not seeing him pitch that much at all. When he's pitching, he's, like, fine. That step changeup, again, still really, really good. The velocity's been fine, but we're just not seeing him pitch very much, and that he's being treated that way certainly leads me to question kind of what's going on with him. Uh A guy that I watched live was Ricky DeVito, and a guy that I was really kind of looking forward to watch pitch, and he was pretty dreadful, to be honest with you. Uh, didn't seem to have much commitch- pitch- command of his pitches at all. Uh, again, Velo was good, ninety-four to ninety-six on the fastball, and you know he was getting movement, but it just seemed like that that hitters were really seeing his stuff really well, and you know when they weren't you know, hitting the ball hard against him. It was, you know, a lot, there were three passes and it just seemed like, you know, it didn't, it didn't help matters that the umpire was not giving him a lot of, a lot of room for error, but he also missed a fair bit too. And I'm not sure if that was a certain amount of frustration, with just like things just not working out and things snowballing on him, but he did not look particularly good. Uh, and so I'm, again, a little bit disappointing to see that he's a guy that would stuff. Uh, one thing I'd like to see from him is that he pitches from like the extreme fr- uh, first base side of the rubber. And I think it's just because of the way that the, the action he gets on his fastball that he kind of wants to be able to throw that more for strikes from that position. I think that he might get better movement and better swings and misses though if he moved in a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure if that ends up happening. Obviously, this is not like an hit advice podcast per se, but if, I think if he moved in a little bit on the on the rubber, and I think that that would might change his approach to how he throws certain pitches in some ways. I kind of, but I think it would put him in a better spot success. But we'll see if that happens. But for right now, you know, again, a little bit disappointing the command with DeVito. Sometimes he looks good, but a lot of times things can kind of get out away from him in a hurry. And he's more of a project right now as opposed to a legitimate pitchy project to, prospect to me. Uh, that leads us to Augusta. Uh, Garrett, really quick, give us uh, some names that you, you liked and some guys who have been, well, not less than great. Uh,
0: Willie Carter needs to be from. Uh, He hit a couple home runs this week. The last one that he hit, in Colombia or look he had a couple of home runs in the last couple of weeks since we last recorded uh the one that he hit in Colombia uh yeah 2 days ago was an absolute mammoth home run he crushed yeah, it Yeah, might be an orbit um, yeah yeah he's walking a ton at that level because the pitchers don't know where they're throwing the ball he's hitting the ball hard he's not striking out a ton i, I I think that they wanted to leave everybody where they were for a month, but he's a guy that he needs to move up within the next week. It's clear that he's better than Loe. Let's get him up. Let's get him in our own. Let him hit there. Um, Joey Estes, I mean, the fastball is really, really good and his numbers are, his numbers are comparable to any teenage pitcher in the major leagues right now, In, in the minor leagues right now. I mean, he is for his age versus his level is just absolutely dominating. I mean, he's dominating in general, but once you factor in his age, it's even better. His last couple starts, he went five innings in both. He's given up one total, um he's given up one total earned run, 12 strikeouts, two walks. I mean, he's just been electric. And I, I, I think that from that draft, he's the best, I don't, he's the best prospect of, I think that we can pretty safely say that he's the best prospect of the, prep arms that we got from that bat, just from what we've seen this season, I'm pretty comfortable saying that. He's looked really, really good. There's no one that I necessarily want to highlight on the bad side in terms of, like, they've done awful. I don't think that – I think that Tyler Owens has struggled. Um, That is a concern. I want to go through Roderick Munoz because we were really high on him a couple weeks ago, but we've seen him – we have seen the flaws in his game. He has – really he struck out a lot of guys his numbers the last couple of weeks have been decent um but you can see that he he's definitely control over command he's throwing a lot of strikes but he's not necessarily throwing quality strikes all the time and one concern that i have is is that he doesn't his fastball doesn't work low in the zone because of this for whatever reason it flattens out considerably at the lower end of the zone and he gives up a lot of hard contact down there. So he really needs to dial in the slider or the changeup to work better low in the zone that so that he can work that portion of the zone. Or otherwise, I mean, you can basically just say you're getting a high fastball and wait on that because that's pretty much all that he's really throwing well right now. It's a very, very good pitch, and that fastball is very good, but it's not as effective as it – it's not entirely effective low in the zone. So we kind of needs. I think the big thing that he needs to work on is getting something that he can – Buried down in the zone to get hitters to either roll over it or just make weak contact versus everything he throws low in the zone is getting hit hard. And that's a concern for sure.
1: Uh, I agree. Uh, and you know, I, I, I want to, he's a story that I'm going to kind of monitor long term because you know, he's a bit of a project, but a guy that could be really electric, especially with the quality of that fastball. You know, if he can consistently throw that fastball for strikes high in the zone, too, that's probably just going to be enough. If he can throw it in the zone consistently, I don't think that low-A hitter is going to do much against it. But he's been, again, seems like he trying to develop a few other things and work other parts of the zone, and that's perfectly fine. And it's worth mentioning, too, that the guys in low-A, a lot of those are the guys that, like, didn't see time at alternate sites and the guys who had a particularly long layoff. So there's going to be a lot of weirdness there. Uh Continue want to continue to – uh Highlight Br- Braulio Vasquez. Uh, I don't think he can hit, and he hasn't hit particularly well uh, down there in Augusta, but he does draw walks. And one thing that guy will do is he will steal bases at any given opportunity. Uh, he certainly tries a lot. And, you know, again, I think the total's up to 17 or 18, something like that now, from the a year. Really kind of, again, sort of a really fun player to watch once he gets on the base pads. Uh, also want to highlight Stephen Uh He's been moved down to the rough order. Recently, which makes a ton of sense given how much he struggled to start the season as kind of that top of the order guy. This hasn't really been a, a great fit for him. Uh, and hit safely in three, it was past four. We're seeing some multi-hit games. Again, the numbers overall this season have not been good, but we're seeing progress there, and it's nice because you know the one thing that I wasn't really enjoying was you know how late he was on pitches and kind of his general approach and what he was trying to do. And again, has been seeing different pitches, has kind of seems to be kind of getting back to basics on you know put the ball in play. And, you know, let his significant athleticism work. So he's looked good. Uh, Vaughn Grissom also connected for his first home run of the season. He's looked, he's hit well, like kind of quietly all year. Uh, but hasn't been a guy that's been hitting a bunch of, like, you know, for power and really kind of impacting the ball the way I was hoping for. So to see him, you know, connect for his home run was really, first home run was really, really nice. One guy who probably has a, had a start that he wishes he could take back was Darius Vines this past week. Uh, he's a guy that's been super impressive during the course of the season, but barely made it out the first inning this year. Uh, his past start, rather and, you know, did not pitch beyond that. So I'm not sure if there was something going on with him injury-wise or they kind of realized that he just didn't have the stuff in that game, but, you know, got, got lit up a bit. Just wasn't, again, not not a start that he probably wants to remember for very long. And when, I get, given the the sample that we're working with, we'll just kind of assume it's a bit of a hiccup, but something worth monitoring because when a guy struggles that much, you wonder if something else is going on. Well, Garrett, that's pretty much all we got. Uh, is there anything else you want to share with folks before we let him go?
0: No, I think I'm good. I think we kind of covered uh, more than we intended on covering. So I think we've pretty much gotten all our thoughts over the last couple weeks out.
1: Yeah, had, to, had a bit of ground to cover up just to make sure that we talked about the last couple weeks as opposed to just a singular week. Uh, thanks again to everyone for listening. If you're looking for what we're going to be doing coverage-wise, uh, next week's going to be a normal show where we're going to go through and just cover the cover the minor leagues you know, the way we have been. But after that, we're going to really be cranking up our draft coverage uh, and on the site over on Talking Chop is actually that cranking up is going to start this week. Tomorrow, I have a bit of a draft primer if you want to kind of know where the Braves are picking, you know, all that sort of like bonus pool type stuff, you know, the, the, the nuts and bolts of what's going on in the draft. That's the article that you want to kind of bookmark so you kind of have it for later. Uh And then later in the week, our own Matt Powers is going to be putting together a list of guys that we think are going to be available for – uh when the Braves are picking and that the Braves should target more, more specifically. Uh And Matt lives and breathes the draft. So if you're really wanting to kind of get a really good sense of, you know, who's available and the, what kind of quality we're, be, we're talking about here, that article is going to be must read. It's going to come out Thursday or Friday, I believe. Uh can't remember exactly when we have it scheduled or planned for, but that's that's kind of the general plan. And there's going to be a lot more draft coverage in the coming weeks, because we really like to ramp that up, give you guys all the, co- the draft coverage you could possibly hope for, because the draft is like a big event for us. And so I imagine that after next week's show, we're going to start doing more draft content. I may reach out to an uh, old friend of the show, Carlos Calazzo, see if he'll come on the show. Uh, talk to some other guys to see if they'll talk a little bit of draft with us as we get a little bit closer. But we'll announce that stuff as we get closer. Make sure that you're following the show on Twitter at Road the Number Two Atlanta if you don't want to miss a show. And the easiest way not to miss a, miss a show is to find Talking Chop on iTunes, Google, Google Play, Stitcher, basically whatever preferred podcast purveyor you have. We very likely are listed up on it. Just, just subscribe to that to that feed, and not only will you get this podcast, but you'll also get. The Talking Chop podcast that is hosted by the great Brad Rowland. Uh, every once in a while I fill in as a host, more often than just kind of a regular co-host, along with Scott Coleman, where we talk about the major leagues, the major, major league side of things as well. You get both those podcasts on the same feed. So make sure that you're following that feed. Uh, and make sure that if you can, leave a five-star review on iTunes again, wherever there, uh, there's a place to put a review. If you can review it and give us a positive review, we would greatly appreciate it. With that, that's pretty much all we got for this week. Until next time, we will see you on the road.